It's the third win against the top ten, and the Orange had them all the way. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into your heart. They didn't look into my heart. Three for the win battle. Bang! Boom! It's the Orange do it again. The cardiac juice comes through on the road one more time. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Good afternoon, everyone. Glad to have you with us alongside Seth Goldberg. I'm Stephen Fonte. It's a Thursday edition of Orange Nation. We're brought to you in part by Duntire. Two guests lined up for you today. We've got Danny Shays set to join us at the top of hour number two, as he does every Thursday. And then Jerry McNamara at some point throughout the program. I caught up with Jerry over at the Mellow Center, as I do every Thursday morning as we prepare for the television version of Orange Nation tonight over on News Channel 9. So we'll play back that interview for you uh, at some point. But we do want to hear from you, especially in this first hour. 315-437-7644. Want to hear from you. On SU Basketball, and Seth, you know as we got off the air and as I was leaving the studio yesterday, I said to you, I think it's going to be a low-scoring game. I think Georgia Tech wins by four. I'm not surprised that Syracuse lost. I, you knew I didn't like this matchup. I didn't like this situation at all. No, you did not. It's how they lost, I think, that is most discouraging. When you look at all of the self-inflicted wounds that this team made to start the game— with the six empty offensive possessions right off the bat, and then to finish the game, Ben Lammers getting three cracks at it from point-blank range with a minute to go, and it's a one-possession game. The fact that Merrick couldn't handle Todrick Jackson down low time and time again. They scored on that play four times in a row, essentially, in a short stretch. Passes were thrown away. The turnovers by battle, uh, you know, where O'Shea couldn't handle the ball with about four minutes to go. Again, it's a two-possession game at that point. Chuku throwing it away with under a minute to go and it being a five-point game. Frank Howard had several turnovers, costly turnovers, turnovers that directly led to points in the other direction. And again, we talked about fast-break points and transition points and how that was going to be an important part of this game. Last year, Georgia Tech had 20 fast-break points when they beat Syracuse down in Atlanta. They had 16 last night. And again, a lot of those, it wasn't even transition necessarily off of a miss. A lot of times it was transition off of a turnover. And this team that is already shorthanded, is already, as we know, um, has some deficiencies, let's say, on the offensive end. You cannot compound it, it nicely by making self-inflicted, unforced errors, again, in a lot of cases. And we saw a lot of them to start the game. We saw a lot of them to finish the game. And this is, you know, you, you said you were going to throw this loss, should it happen, in the category of if Syracuse lost a pit. And I was like, no, no, no. After watching that game, it's, I, I, I'm, it's bad. I, I'm right there with you. Yeah. It's a that, bad loss. That was a that was a loss that that should not have happened. No, they should not have lost that game. They they allowed ten more transition points, uh, ten more points off turnovers than uh, than they scored, and that's the difference in the game. They threw the ball away and they created live ball turnovers, and, and you saw that up until the very very end when Josh Okogie slammed on home for an exclamation point. Right, it was just the the cherry on top. It was the end of the game, and and. We've seen now for five halves in a row, this team struggle mightily offensively, right? They had a great first half against Boston College offensively. They were good in the second half, not great. And then the last four halves, they've been just terrible. Just terrible offensively. So I'll go back five halves and say they haven't been very good offensively for five halves in a row now. And it's really come back to bite them because... We talked about that on Monday, right? We said if they were playing anybody other than Pitt and they played that game, would they have won? And the answer was not only no, but if it was 
it, it, but the answer was if they had played Pitt the way Pitt played on Wednesday of last week, they wouldn't have beat Pittsburgh. Well, guess what? They went out last night and they played the same game that they played on Saturday and they didn't play Pitt. They played a team that was just a little bit better than Pitt and they lost. Right? Like that that's what this comes down to. They went and played the same game the second time in a row and it wasn't good enough to beat anybody other than the team they beat on Saturday. You know, I, I look at this team, and I'll be honest with you, watching that game last night, it felt to me like the Syracuse-Notre Dame game just in reverse, right? Where Syracuse was in complete control. It felt like Syracuse should have been up 15 at the half, and they were up 9, and then Notre Dame made a run and stole it at the end. After watching that first half, it felt like Syracuse should have been down double digits, and they right. were down 3. And all game long, Georgia Tech was in control, but somehow Syracuse was in the, within a possession or two going down to the wire. And you got the feeling, at least I did watching the game, I was like, wow, this this could be like the Notre Dame game, but in reverse. If Battle hits a big shot or Howard oh, comes up with a big feeling. play, yeah. they, they could very easily steal this thing. But at the end of the day, they, they made mistakes. They got to within three, and then there was the possession where Lammers literally missed two layups, and then the third one he tips back in. Then Chuku throws it away at the other end, and that's your ball game. And now we have seen against Notre Dame, against Wake Forest, against Florida State, now against Georgia Tech, games that went into the final two, three, four minutes. It's anybody's game, and Syracuse just cannot close the deal. And I know there are a lot of reasons for that. I think defensively this team is good enough. But on the offensive end, aside from Tyus Battle, they don't really seem to have that guy who is going to step up and make a play with the game on the line. And we thought early on that, okay, maybe Frank Howard could be that guy. Maybe O'Shea Brissett can be that player. It just has not happened, though, in ACC play. It's been Tyus Battle making some big shots, but nobody else. And as a result... I was going to say they've they've lost the last four close games. I guess you could say the one the at Pitt game was, was close, game. Yeah. and and it was. It shouldn't have been, but it was. So I guess they're one in four in their last five close games. The one win being against the worst team in the conference. Uh, you said the defense has been, you know, good and and doing well. I, I thought the defense was great last night. Yeah, it I was. Thought the defense was great they, last night. If you night. hold the team to fifty five points, you should win. Yeah, and, and but how many times have we now said that? Right, I mean, I said it. We, we say it in this game, say it in the Notre Dame after the Notre Dame game at the beginning of the year, right? We said it after the the St. Bonaventure game. That was my my one thought coming out of that game. And sure, you could talk about Jalen Adams. You could talk about the charge call at the end. My one thought was, you held a team to sixty points over forty five minutes. You should win. Like, how many times are we going to say this? You know, and and it's just it, it's just frustrating to watch this team game in and game out continue to play very good defense. And just fall short offensively. They just don't have it this year. And, you know, the the stat lines, there are a lot of ugly stat lines on this page. You had two players go 4 for 17 from the field. 4 for 17 out of your two best offensive options. And if not for going 9 for 9 from the free throw line, Tyus Battle's line would look just as bad as Frank Howard's. Well, he he did have 9 rebounds, though. He did. He Battle did... Battle did he contributed at, at yes. least in that regard. And he hit a couple of big shots when Frank nobody Howard, else was hitting at, shots. Frank finished the game 4 for 17, 2 for 9 from 3 with 5 turnovers to 2 assists. And and a very costly technical foul. Yes. Costly technical foul, and he got very close to us figuring out who would play point guard if he had to go out of the game. Right, and he got very. You can't tell me very close to that. You can't tell me that didn't change the way he played the final oh, few minutes to. because that was it his did. fourth foul, and 
if he picks up another one, he couldn't be aggressive, and they started to press. Obviously, he yep. had to he had to back away. Couldn't take as many chances. It absolutely affected oh, how it, he played in the yeah, final few ch- minutes. That changed the game. It, it gave them two more. It, uh, well, they split the free it gave throws. It, right, but an one extra, extra point, point, but an extra foul on yes. Frank, and, and the extra foul on Frank, and you had to change how he plays. Yeah, no, that that changed that changed the game for sure. That that played part of the story of the game, uh, no doubt. Um, I find it fascinating the drop off that we've seen from Frank Howard. Right, because what was it? Two weeks ago, three weeks ago, maybe we were sitting here saying, "Wow, well, he's shooting fifty. Yeah. He's shooting fifty percent from three over his five games." Okay, he's not going to do that, but maybe he's not that twenty percent three point shooter that we saw. Well, now over the last three weeks, he's been that twenty percent three point shooter. Three games ago, he played maybe his best game in an SU uniform against BC. Yes. Had eighteen points, six assists, no turnovers. You look at what he's done in the last two games. So, I think it's the case of. A guy trying to figure out the point guard position, he's still midway through his first year as the starting point guard. But the last two games against Pitt and Georgia Tech, 6 for 27 from the field, 17 total points, 6 total assists, and 8 turnovers. And again, one costly technical foul. And and that that can't happen. He He's, he's very much up and down when he plays well. And I'm not saying he's the sole reason they shot 60% against BC. I mean, that was one of those nights everything was going in. But I don't think it's a coincidence that when he has six assists and no turnovers, the they offense well. runs smoothly. Yeah. When he has eight turnovers and six assists over the course of two games, it's not a coincidence that the offense struggles in those two games. Yeah. So, so much of this, and I said it before the season started, he is the key to the year. You know Tyus Battle will find a way to score. Tyus Battle did not shoot well last night. He still scored 19 points. What is Frank Howard going to bring to the table? And last night, Frank Howard did not play well. 315-437-7644. Just to update the notes, uh, before the numbers, before we, we hit the break. We mentioned that stretch where, of course, Frank Howard was great. Shooting the ball incredibly well from the Eastern Michigan game down through the uh, UVA game on January 9th. Since then, the Florida State pit Boston College pit Georgia Tech. He's eight of tw- of thirty two from three, back down to twenty five percent. BC that game. Stretch. What was he in BC? Because three, three for eight. I was going to say he shot essentially fifty percent from the floor that game, and I guess six, essentially six of, six of fourteen from okay, the field. That's so right. he was forty two point nine percent, thirty seven and a half from three. But outside of that, he has uh, been ba- uh, bad from three, and has has been all right from the field. Really bad. Really exaggerated. Uh, over the last two games, just 6 of 27 overall from the field in the Pittsburgh game and the Georgia Tech game. All right, let's get a quick phone call in. Uh, Scott in North Syracuse kicking us off today on Orange Station. Hey, Scott. Hey, how are you guys? Good, how are you? All right, so last night, in my existence of 40-plus years, I think was the worst, definitely first half, if not the whole game, of FSU basketball I've ever seen. Um, I don't like to, to uh, you know, diss a kid out there, but... Um, Howard, he's our point guard because he's the only point guard we have, but he's he's horrible. I'm sorry, I don't know, there's no other way to put it. I mean, I've never seen a guy with his court awareness and dribble off his foot so many times and just just the dumb little things that can't happen. And I just, I don't know if you guys have noticed, which was my fear going into ACC play is beginning of the year, I was kind of excited because the rebounding, the second chance points, the the, the third chance points, I mean, we were just, I, I was just fun. And then now, now we've got an ACC play. All that has gone away. And Brissett is like not going to the basket anymore, which I think that's his go to. Um, and I just, I wonder, you know, what you guys see, what are we running out there? I watch Howard dribble around in circles. 
you know, dribble into the top of the key, you know, the foul line, and then come back out, and then we've got nothing. So I know you guys have seen the same thing. I just wanted to see your thought. Well, I'll tell you this, and appreciate you checking in, Scott. Uh, I did talk with Jerry McNamara earlier today, as I mentioned. Uh, one thing Jerry pointed out was the spacing. The spacing was not good, and they were going over the, the tape today, and they hadn't quite gotten through the whole game uh, at the point when I talked to him, but he said the spacing was not good. And, and yeah, the unforced turnovers frankly are unacceptable to start the game the way they did with six empty possessions and again that's not what decided the game but it just kind of set the tone they start the game Howard turns it over on the first possession Chuku misses a dunk Brissett has the offensive fouls a questionable offensive foul but they call an offensive foul on Brissett Battle turns it over turns into a dunk at the other end Howard takes a tough three with like two seconds on the shot clock because they can't get a good look and then Howard had another turnover and it led to a Georgia Tech lay-in and it's four nothing that's how Syracuse started the game and, and that's, again, what cannot happen. The unforced turnovers have to go away. Now, to say that Howard is awful, he's not awful. He is a, a point guard who you know maybe isn't a point guard by nature, but he's kind of learning on the fly. And he's going to have up and down, you know, he's going to have an up and down season. He's, he's going to have, you know, good games and bad games. He had a bad game last night and didn't yeah. play well against Pitt either, but they were able to get a win. No, he's had back-to-back bad games. He struggled. We've seen this throughout his college career. We've seen this throughout the season. Uh, he, he struggled. The a reason lot. I, the reason I'm I'm cautious to call the trend is that three games ago he played, he played maybe great. his best right. game at right. Syracuse, and then last night again I don't want to say it was his worst game, but that it it might have been up there. Uh, I don't think you, I don't know if you can go well, that far. He's, he's had, had games. A, he's had a lot of bad games. He's had games with more turnovers. He had five yeah. last night, but did not shoot the ball well. Had five turnovers, and again that technical foul. I don't want to make too big of a deal of it, but in a one or two possession game, again, it adds a point. It changes how he can play because he picks up his fourth foul. Right. No, uh, was that was that was not a great look. Uh, back to the phone lines, we go. Timothy in Syracuse up next on Orange Nation. Hey, Timothy. Hey guys, a uh, couple things. One, uh, you know, I, I don't buy into them playing great defense last night. I think that Georgia Tech is just that bad, and when a team like that can get four straight layups on a baseline, it's pretty bad. But here's the thing. The players are what they are. I don't think anybody's really going to greatly improve this year. And I look at it as if this brings back Tyus Battle, I either heard on your show or another show that he was being looked at as maybe a second-round pick at this point, which I think would keep him here. And now next year he's playing with better offensive talent, which would hopefully make him look better. Uh, I just didn't know your thoughts on him leaving at this point. I, I, I heard second round, and that would probably make him stay. Yeah, and and that's an interesting point, and I appreciate checking in, Timothy, and that's going to be something that, again, as this season moves along, as you get closer to to March and April, I'm sure that that topic will will pick up in terms of how much we're talking about it. Um, This is my take on it, Seth. I don't think Tyus Battle's draft stock depends on if Syracuse makes the tournament no, or not. not at Can all. a guy improve his stock? Absolutely. Look at Johnny Flynn, for example, or even Tyler Ennis, for that matter. Or, they start 25-0. and 0. Or Malachi, Malachi Richardson. Richardson. To me, a lot of it comes down to when you get to the combine or you know your body of work. I mean, we've seen Tyus Battle now for two years. He's a heck of a player. He's got NBA talent. Now, whether or not he goes end of the first round, early second round, I don't think it depends on SU success. It seems like right now it's very much a borderline decision. Let's see how the next two months go. Um, but do I think there's a chance Tyus Battle could come back? Do I think there's more of a chance now than before the season started? Yeah, I think there's more of a chance now than before the season started. But I think at the end of the day, I don't think it's going to come down to whether SU makes the tournament or not. I think it's going to come down to when he goes to you know, the Combine or 
you know, works out in front of NBA scouts or they come to watch him play if they if they like what they see individually. I don't think it's necessarily a team thing. Yeah, I, I don't think it's a team thing. I, I think it's if he plays well, he plays well and he'll leave. If he doesn't play well, uh, he'll have to reevaluate, right? Like, I, I think that you, you need to look at the player as a whole. Look, I said earlier in the year, uh, let's see how this goes because isn't there a real possibility that over the course of the year he looks good? And, and I think that we've seen this year he's done exactly what we expected. Right, he's like he's, in gone, the ACC he's gone and scored. He's gone and scored twenty plus points a game. Like that's what we expected, right? And one thing that I cautioned, and I, and I said at the beginning of the year, there are a lot of six foot six guards out there. So what are you going to do? That what are you going to do that differentiates yourself? And that became that becomes the question. And I I know Brent talked about it. He spoke with a scout, uh, you know, earlier this week and said, you know, there's there's not much differentiating himself. That that. Ultimately, is what it comes down to. 315-437-7644. Got to take our first time out. If you're on hold, stay on hold. More on SU Basketball when we return. Keep it here. Orange Nation rolls on right after this. This is Orange Nation with Stephen Fonte and Seth Goldberg. Even North Syracuse, who has patiently been waiting, he wants to uh, touch on some SU basketball talk. Hey, Steve, how are you? Uh, fine. Well, uh, watching last night's game certainly required patience. So it yes. was good practice. <laughs> being on hold for your show. Um, in the second half, we ha- I, I, I looked it up in the play-by-play. We had 21 possessions where we could have turned it into a one-possession game. Uh, we scored one basket. It was the second one off the press, the dunk by uh, Brissett. We missed our other 11 field goals. We had four turnovers, and we were six for eight from the foul line, so we got a total of eight points out of those 21 possessions. I don't think that I've ever seen a more frustrating game. Now, of course, you look at the box score, the thing that jumps out is that our two guards were both four for 17, and... Uh, that obviously hurts, but in fact, we had the same number of three-pointers as they did. We had eight more free throws. The game was really lost inside, where we were 10 for 32, and uh, they were not great at 16 for 45, but that, that, that gave them the edge. We are on the season shooting 51% uh, from two-point range. And uh, in the, that BC game, we shot 69%. In this game, we were 31%, and that, I think, it, <coughs> excuse me, is where the game was really lost. <coughs> lost. If you look at our two centers, Chukwu against BC was 6-for-7, scored 14 points. He had 16 rebounds against Virginia. Sadibi against Pitt had 18 points and 6-for-8 shooting and had 16 rebounds. Last night they combined for four points and eight rebounds. Well, Ben Lammers had a double double, and I think getting dominated down low was uh, was the big thing uh, last night because we've never been a great shooting team, and maybe uh, maybe Daniel's idea of playing them in tandem might loosen things up down low because it would give us a very impressive front line of Sidibe, Chukwu, and Brissett. Yeah, and I'm not opposed to the idea. Uh, and again, I'm not gonna. I'm not here to crush any any 18 to 21 year old kids. But 
Uh, you know, Merrick's got to do better than that down low, right? I mean, he gave yes, up those absolutely. four layups to to Todrick Jackson and a three wide open on the inbounds play. So, I mean, if that's if that's the case, I was going to say if that's what you're going to get out of him, but we know that he's he's better than that. We've seen him do some very good things out there. Um, if he becomes a liability down low, which he he was last night, then then maybe you do go to the to the two big guys, and then Chuku can come out when Lammers gets in the high post, and then you got Sadibe underneath as well. Um, it would be a, a different lineup. Listen, they're, they're not going to have very many combinations moving forward with you know six healthy bodies at present time. When Moyer uh, finally gets you know completely healthy, then you have seven. I'm not necessarily opposed to the idea, um, but what you you know when you take Merrick out, he he does some good things. Obviously, that's why he's out there. So um, you know we'll have to see if they go to that or, or not. Um, too many know. easy baskets yeah. though down low Look, uh, for they, for Todrick Jackson. Yeah, there were too many easy baskets, and and the game was won in the in the paint. I think the game was won in transition. Uh, I think there's so many things you can yeah. point to. I yeah. mean, they, they gave up about sixteen the fast break points. Fast break points, points off turnovers. Uh, the the disparity there was a combined nineteen. Right, Georgia Tech outscored Syracuse by nineteen points in in fast break and turnovers and, and points off turnovers. And I, I know there's probably some overlap there, but but regardless. Uh, that's even if too it's big just of a gap. fast break points, that's ten. That, it was, right, right. It, it's it's just too big of a gap. Um, and, and in a game that came down to just a few possessions, um, that didn't do it. Right, that 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 was not good enough. That didn't get the job done. And, and I think that when when you look back at this game, you can look at a, a number of things. You can look at Ben Lammers if you want, but I thought he was held relatively in check. He went for uh, eleven and twelve. Uh, you know, Josh Akogi did what he did. Tadrick Jackson's four layups are going to kill you, right? Like, like that's going to kill you. Uh, turning the ball over and creating live turnovers so that they can just go down and get easy dunks is going to kill you every time. Uh, you know, a, a technical foul late in the game is going to hurt you. Uh, it, it, it's just those kinds of things um, that that aren't, you, you know, you can't win a close game doing that. It's the things, Seth. It, it's, yeah. it's the little things. You mentioned the technical foul. Absolutely that contributed. You look at, you know, just about four minutes to go. It's, a, it's what was it, a four? I think it was a four-point game with about four minutes to go when Tyus Battle threw that pass that was a little bit high to Brissett and he couldn't quite handle it and Okogi steals it. He goes down he dunks it. So instead of it being a one-point one or two-point game if you score in that possession, yep. now it's back up to six. You go to the play with right over a minute to go. It's a three-point game. It is a one-possession game. Lammers miss misses two point blank layups and you let him you know get a third crack at it he tips it up and in and now it's a two possession game and then on the other side off the miss Chuku he has a chance to go back up with it cut it back to a one possession game throws it away dunk by a Kogi game over i mean there yep. were so many little things that that added up to this loss and that's what this team is not doing in close games they they're putting themselves in position Notre Dame Wake Forest you know certainly last night on down the list it's a one or two possession game and they just can't come up with that play that they need. Yeah, they they were not able to come up with the play that they needed um, when it mattered the most and when they needed it the most, right? They desperately needed, at times, a basket to get it from 4-2, to two, from 3-1. to one. Um, They couldn't get that next basket to get them close enough. Like I, I know you mentioned the Notre Dame game earlier, um, and that's kind of the difference. Like Notre Dame was able to get that extra basket, right? They were able to really make Syracuse uncomfortable and make it a one-possession game or a one-point game. I don't know that Syracuse ever really truly made Georgia Tech uncomfortable. I mean, they cut it to three with a minute and a half to go. 
Yeah, and then they turn the ball over and there's a dunk on the other end. Understood. Like, like, as soon as it got to, like, it it never got closer than three. There was game pressure on Georgia Tech is my point, is that Georgia Tech was in complete control of that game throughout. Syracuse kept hanging around. When when they pressed and they got those two back-to-back buckets, then it was back to a one-possession game. There was absolutely game pressure on Georgia Tech at that point, and there there was still a lot of time left on the clock, Uh, about eight minutes or so on the clock when that happened. I mean, there was game pressure on Georgia Tech. They just, every time. Syracuse made a run, you know, I say a run, a 4-0 run. I call it they had I call, the answer. I called them sarcastically. I called it a jog last night. It was an 11 to 4 run, but it took 7 minutes. Yeah, there you go. So, it wasn't quite a run. So, was the 4-0 run was that a sprint cuz that happened in, in the span of about 9 seconds. Yeah, I think so. Uh back to the full lines we go Scooter and Jamesville up next. Hey Scooter. Hey guys, it's interesting to see not, and not just this year, but over the last 4 years uh, how many points Syracuse scores before the first TV timeout? Because it just seems to me, either we're behind or it's you know they may score four or five. It, and, you know this this game here they scored 13 points in 17. They scored 38 in the last 23 minutes. And if you go back to the Florida State games and games like that, uh, this you know we're just getting off the slow starts. So you kind of wonder, you know, the zone is great, but sometimes when you're kind of not getting that flow into you because you're not doing man-to-man moving around as much. It might take them maybe a couple minutes just to get that sweat going because it just seems like it's the same M.O. I mean, if you go back to the the Pittsburgh game, I didn't know how many points they scored in the first – actually two TV timeouts. And just to me, you know, you look at the the second half of some of these games, you do make a little bit of – the Virginia game, you know, come back to that. But the bottom line is I heard you talk about defense. And I don't know the difference between defense and lack of execution because if you look at this game, I thought Syracuse had more contested shots against them than, than Georgia Tech. It looks like Georgia Tech couldn't hit a jump shot. There was a there was a play in the second half where they kept getting rebounds and kept missing jump shots, and they were wide open. Now, Syracuse gets credit for the defense. I know I don't see how you can, but this seems to me Georgia Tech always had a hand in the face. But most of our three-pointers, that Howard three-pointer right before halftime was contested. And they bailed out battle uh, one time where he was, he was shooting at uh, one where he got fouled and had the, had the three-point shot. It just seems to me that I thought Georgia Tech's defense was better than Syracuse last night. Well, and I'll say this, defense was not the issue. I understand your point, but Georgia Tech is not a good three-point shooting team. Right. And Syracuse forced them into 18 three-point tries. So, I mean, there there is something to be said for making Georgia Tech do what Georgia Tech does not do. Do you understand what I'm saying? Like, that, right. that is not their strength, and they forced Georgia Tech into playing away from their strength. Georgia Tech's strength is get up and down the floor. They were able to do that to some degree, but in the half-court set, to make, you know, to force them to settle for 18 three-point tries, again, that's a win in my mind. I mean, and, and to hold them to 55 points, that's a win in my mind. It's on the other end of the floor that this team continues to struggle miserably. And just to get back to your first point about slow starts, I would buy that more if SU got blown out, you know, right out of the gates if it's like a 12-2 run by the opposing team. Defensively, they're there. They're just not good on offense, and and so, I mean that that's that's my take on it. Is the reason they keep getting off to quote unquote slow starts. And they can't seem to score is because they can't seem to score. Plain and simple, across the board, they struggle on offense. Well, that's what that's what I'm saying. The last four years, I mean, look at last year's games against when we made these great comebacks in the second half. I mean, the great comeback against Clemson, the great comeback against NC State. They didn't have great first half. Yeah. We wouldn't be down 15, 16 points in the, in the second half. That's my point. Understood. You know, 
think over the last four years, not just this year. Yeah, no, I, and I understand the point, Scrooge. I think again, as it pertains to this team, I don't think it's necessarily an issue. I mean, do you agree with me, Seth? I yes. Don't, I don't think slow starts is an issue. Yeah. I think it's they just can't score, so it's hard to get off to fast starts because they're not efficient on that no, end I'm of the on, floor. I'm on board with that. I'm on board with that. Absolutely. I, I don't know that they necessarily are, are getting. They're getting off to slow starts in the sense that they aren't scoring, but they aren't scoring the whole game. Right? Like it's it's not like after ten minutes they just magically turn it on and they score sixty points over the final thirty minutes of the game. Right? Like they're they're just not doing that. Um and to your point, it's not like they're coming out flat on both sides and the other team is running away. So when they have struggled offensively out of the gate and then subsequently the entire game, they've at least had this you know, they're in a game, like they're in a fight because they've held the other team down as well. It's not like they're letting the other team get so far out ahead of them that it's unbearable. In every one of the games, right? Point to Notre Dame, point to Florida State, point to Virginia, point to last night. Uh, every one of those, they've gotten off the slow starts. They've been in every single one of them. Syracuse needs to play well defensively to win games. I thought they did last night. They played well enough to win last Syracuse night. Syracuse needs to rebound well in order to win games. I thought they did last I mean, they won the battle on the boards against one of the best big men in the conference. The third thing is Syracuse needs to be able to take care of the ball. And last night, you know, that couple that with stop transition baskets, and they they simply, simply could not do that. 315-437-7644. We're going to take a timeout. We're back after this on Orange Nation.